Welcome to the People of Pathology podcast. I'm Dennis Strank. On this podcast, we explore pathology, laboratory medicine, and forensic science. One of the main goals of this podcast is to promote the laboratory field and to hopefully generate interest from students about these careers. My guest today is Haley Pincott. Haley is an associate practitioner in oral pathology and microbiology at the University Dental Hospital in Cardiff. And she's also one of the co-founders of Show Me the Science. Today, we're going to learn about Haley's career path so far. We'll also learn about Show Me the Science and some of the other things she does to advocate for the field as a STEM ambassador. Here's Haley Pinkott. We are recording this on June 24th, which is Biomedical Science Day. Yes, that's right. All right, so I'd like to start with that. What is, what is Biomedical Science Day? What is this day about? So Biomedical Science Day is an awareness day that's organized by our professional body, the IBMS, and it's just to showcase and celebrate the profession and all the lab staff associated with biomedical science and pathology. Okay. Do you have any idea how long this, this day has been uh, going on? Like how many, how many years? Um, I think I would have to check. It might be in its fifth year, I think. Okay. Or fifth year. So relatively new, but we're gathering pace. And as the years are going on, you can definitely see a lot more interaction and a lot more engagement with all the events that are going on. What, how about that? What, what kind of events are there? Like how do you, how do you celebrate this day? So we have um, lab staff across the whole UK and beyond actually go out and they go do things in hospitals. They host events where they might just put on a display stand in the reception area of the hospitals. Some go out to schools and do school events. So some do web chats and things like that. So it's a whole host of a huge variety of different activities just to get the public aware and actually the healthcare professionals as well, just to make everybody aware of what we do in the labs. Okay. Now here in the U.S., it seems like, you know, laboratory and lab staff are probably the same as you. We're behind the scenes. A lot of people don't know about us. Exactly. So is this, yeah. right. Is this, so this day is kind of to bring us like out into the public and, and like you said, raise awareness. Is that, is that right? That's exactly what it's about. Yeah. Just to make the public aware, just to show, just to demonstrate what we do, we do blood tests, we do swabs, we do tissue biopsies, we're involved in all of that. And then also to other healthcare professionals as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I wonder, because of everything that's gone on in the last year plus, does it seem like this day is a little bit extra special, kind of a celebration, not only of the lab, but just as we, you know, we sort of made it through the the hardest part of, of all of that with the, with the pandemic? I think so. We, we still had a few events last year, but obviously they were all online and they were all virtual events. But this year, I think there's going to be a few more face-to-face interactions, which is great. We love doing stuff like that. So just to, like you say, just feel like we're just getting over things now and things are starting to get back to normal. So this feels like it's the start of more things to come, return to normal and things like that. So it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Okay. So, all right. So let then let's go back to the beginning then for you. As far as your career, how did you become interested in this field? Um, it was actually my grandfather. Um, he knew a lab, a hematology lab manager back where I'm from in Gloucestershire. And I started working voluntary there and I just fell in love with it. I wasn't very good at science at school. I barely scraped a pass. So I didn't think working in a lab was for me at all. But when I actually saw 
the theory put into practice and saw the practical side of it, that was that I was hooked. That was me done. So then I just progressed to work in biochemistry and then hematology. And I find myself now working at the dental hospital in Cardiff, where I am working in oral pathology and microbiology. Okay. Yeah. And I want to talk quite a bit about that. I'm curious, though, kind of like your sort of career progression. Now, I know you started as a lab assistant. Uh, yes. What, okay. What, what kind of things did you do in that role? So I worked voluntary for about three years in a histopathology lab. So it was general, just trimming into blocks. It was general filing slides, filing blocks, booking in cases, routine day-to-day, things like that. Um, And then I got a paid job then in biochemistry as an MLA. So again, that was just booking things in, spinning down the blood samples, and just to get the routine daily tasks that have to get done. Then I moved to Cardiff. And again, as an MLA, but because it was a bigger hospital, I had a lot more scope of moving around. So I was part, I rotated into a lab of newborn screening where they test for Down syndrome. I managed to go into blood bank. I managed to go into coagulation. So I had such a huge expanse of experience and, and labs and knowledge I could, I could gather. So yeah, it was a great starting point for me to then progress to do my HNC in biomedical science. So I got my HNC. Okay, what what is that? HNC. So HNC is um, higher national certificate. So that's the equivalent of maybe like your first year of a degree. So I'm an associate practitioner now, which is still support staff, but it's the next step up from a lab assistant. So not quite the the biomedical scientist, which you're a state registered healthcare professional. However, I'm support staff still. Okay, I see. And then so... Of all of the different areas that you worked in then, like which which were your favorite? Because it seems like, you know, uh, histopathology and then going into uh, hematology and other areas, like which of those did you enjoy the most? I I love histology. It's definitely for me. My friend always says I kind of like weird things. So blood's too normal for me. So, yeah, histology is definitely <laughs> where I feel at home. <laughs> Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Actually, I started as a, as a lab assistant in, in histology as well. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I, I really learned a lot. All right. Now you mentioned you're an associate practitioner in oral pathology and, and microbiology. Yes. All right. So at the beginning of this, like, did you choose to get into this sort of specialty or did it just kind of happen that way? Um, well, I'm a mum to three boys. So because of family care and childcare issues, I had to take a break from work for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I was desperate to get back into the lab. But I, where I, Nothing wrong with where I worked. I worked in a supermarket. There was nothing wrong with that. It just wasn't me. And I was just desperate to get back. And then an opening came up at the dental hospital. And I just applied for it. And luckily, I'm not so sure about them, but luckily for me, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. And then so, so let's talk about your, your position there. What what are some of your job duties? Like what what's a sort of a typical day for you? So pretty much like everything else, we will start off with embedding the sections that um, embedding the tissue that went in overnight processing, microtomy, so cutting slides, staining them and issuing them out to pathologists as well and assist, assisting in cut up, one of my favorite jobs. Um, but yeah, it's the type of specimens that we see because we're a very specialist unit. I think we're the only department of its kind in Wales. 
and there's only a few left in the whole of the UK. So we're very, very specialist. So yeah, we see things like mandibles and maxillas. So really oh, wow. unusual places. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like you're, because I'm, I'm trying to figure out what, what's the sort of the equivalent of your role in the US. And it sounds like that's similar to like a histo technician that we yes, would have like here. Call, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Them, yeah. So what was the, the training like then to learn, you know, say the embedding and the, and the cutting? It was, it was on the job learning really. So obviously okay. I worked in histology before in a, a general surgical lab. So I had the experience there already, but um, because there's only two of us, there's myself and the biomedical scientist, it's a mm-hmm. lot more hands-on and a lot more involved. And I get loads more opportunities to do stuff that I might not necessarily do in a bigger lab. So I'm so I feel very, very lucky to work where I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what about, uh, do you do frozen sections? I don't do, no, no. The lab I worked in before, the routine lab, they do frozen sections, but we don't, we don't provide that service where we are. Okay. Okay. And then you mentioned the uh, assisting with cut up, which I still like, and like here we call it grossing, but I still like the term yes, cut up yes, a, yes. a lot better. And that's actually, that's, that's what I do as, as a pathologist assistant. And you oh, said, right. and you said you, you enjoy that part. It's my fa- it's, Yes. It's my favorite part of my job. That is, it's just, you get to learn so much more and it's um, just you and the pathologist and he'll sit there and he'll explain to me what's, Oh, can you see this? The tumors are spread in here and here. And it's, Although it's not nice, some aspects of the job, it's just, it fascinates me. And I just find it so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, this is a dental school, correct? Yes. Yeah, so we have the the NHS part of it where we see the patients and we have a university side of it where they teach all the dental students as well. So it's, yeah, it's kind of like a 50-50 type situation. So we share the facilities there. Okay. And there's research going on in there as well. Or, or, okay, are you involved with that kind of thing? Um, we share our lab with the researchers. So currently, because of the current situation with the pandemic, we're doing a lot of their work. So we cut a lot of their sections and things like that. So, but yeah, a lot of them come in anyway just to say hi and we process blocks for them, things like that. So we do get quite involved in their work and we offer advice and tips because obviously cutting sections and things like that is what we do day in day out. So we might have little tips and bits of advice for them and how to get that quality through. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. All right. And then what about sort of the, the dental students? Do you, do you work with them? We don't really see them. I think our, our consultant pathologist teaches them. I think he has a few lectures, but as for myself, my colleague, we don't interact with the actual dental students themselves, just the researchers and the research students that are there. Okay. I, I understand. So there's no, like, as far as your role, there's no like teaching component to it. No, no, there isn't for myself. No, I think for the microbiology colleague, he he teaches a bit as well. But as far as the histology side goes, no, never for myself, my colleague. You know, one of the things. Uh, this is again another. I'm trying to look at similarities between the UK and the US mm. systems. Now, what what is the state then of biomedical science in the UK in regard to staffing? Because here, you know, we're we're short staffed all the time, and there's not only are there not enough staff there's not enough students in the schools and there's even not enough teachers to teach the students in the schools well that's uh, not great to hear is it no it's it's a little bit scary actually yeah. um is that is it similar there in the uk or, or what's the state of that 
The Royal College of Pathologists a few years ago produced a report which showed that I think it was only 3% of histopathology labs are fully staffed. So with the College of Pathologists and the IBMS, they come up with a biomedical scientist reporting qualification, which helps fill that gap in the short term. So I think the students are coming through, but it's just having these positions and these posts open for them and the trainee posts as well. So I think the students are there in the, in the lectures and they're in the universities, they're qualifying with their degrees. But when it comes to doing the practical side to do their portfolios and to become fully registered, those positions tend not to be there. So it's bottlenecking in effect. And it's, yeah, it's really sad. It's a sad state to be in when you think that we're responsible for about 70% of all diagnoses made. And yet the staffing isn't quite where it should be. And it seems like, you know, after a year's worth of a, a year, a more than a year of a pandemic, like people should understand how important biomedical science scientists are and, and the need for them. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think it's been a, a not quite a great time. It's not the right wording, but mm-hmm. it's, it's an opportunity anyway for us to grab and sit there and shout from the rooftops about what a great job we all do. And we, we all do a fantastic job. And it's just to use that opportunity to sit there and say, look, we do all of this. It's not just about doing the COVID PCR test. It's all about the blood tests that go on when patients are on ITU. And it's all these different things as well. And all these different disciplines that are involved in patient care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Now, along those lines, you're a STEM ambassador. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And this seems like something you're very passionate about. Oh, I definitely am. Yes. <laughs> okay. Why Why was this important then for you to get involved in this way? And, and how did you go about doing that? Um, it was my colleague, actually, that mentioned um, becoming a STEM ambassador because I hadn't really heard about it before. I just wanted to showcase what we do. I was getting a bit fed up of not, no one having the recognition of what we do. And I just thought, I just sat there and I thought, I just really want to do something about it. And so she said, well, why don't you sign up to be a STEM ambassador? So about four years ago, that's what I did. And I just started going out to primary schools and just taking along a microscope or two so they could look at cells under the microscope, using spray bottles to show how fast sneezes spread. And it was just really basic little things that kind of linked into the job of biomedical science, but in a fun, practical, engaged, I hope fun anyway, a fun, practical, engaging way. And what sort of what age were these these children that you were uh, presenting to? So primary school, so so they start four till eleven, but with generally the older children is what we've done. We've aimed at so like seven, eight, nine, ten, and then eleven. Oh. Yeah, the, the last few years of primary school for us is about seven oh. to eleven. Okay, okay. And now I'm, I'm sure you couldn't take actual uh, specimens with you, but did you ever take like? maybe pictures of them or something like that? What we've done is I've done um, cheek cell swabs with them. So that's their own. And they oh, can okay. take that. So they can see, and it's great for them because that's their, that's their own. It's very personal to them and they can take it home and show their parents or the carers what they've done. Um, and it just helps keep that enthusiasm and engagement ongoing onto, onto home life as well. And it, so it's, it's great to be able to do that. And also we've done their DNA as well, where we just use their spit, which isn't the most attractive thing to do, but 
just basically spits in the bottle, adds a few bits, and then they can see their own DNA. And that's always, always a wow moment. It's, we get such a great reaction from that. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Okay. Do they ever do like, um, maybe that'd be for older kids, like job fairs at the, at the hospital or something like that? Um, we tend not to have too many students come in. And it's a shame, really, because I think it's, it's an opportunity missed. But it's definitely something that I want to look into going into schools to see. Because I can remember when I went to high school, we had a careers day where we had a few days of different people coming in, setting up different stores to explain different careers. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's a perfect opportunity to go in and see and get ourselves out in schools for those children that are thinking about going on to higher and further education, just to get them and say, look, this is what we can do. You know, I've heard from quite a few people now that you know, the kind of the first moment that they got into the lab was, you know, once they got exposed to that field and that, I guess, area of work, that's when they knew that it was for them. I mean, this, that same thing kind of happened to me. And I wonder if, and like, I, I imagine you can't have, you know, visitors or uh, groups of school children come in to the lab. That probably wouldn't be such a great idea. But if there was some way to do that, I wonder if that would influence them e- even even more. Well, I was, the, I was the same. Again, I was, until I walked into a lab, I just didn't think science was for me. But then when you look at how you work in a lab compared to what you did at school, you need to consider though how... The educational system is completely different to practical working in a lab. I'm not being dismissive of education. I think they do. I think teachers, not that, do an amazing job. But there's only so much they can do with the resources and the funding that they have. So if we can't bring pupils into the lab, then why can't we take the lab to the pupils? So that's what I try and do with what what I do. Okay. But also, we've seen with um, things like. Harvey's gang, which is what we have over in the UK. I think they've started in hospitals in America as well. So this is for pediatric patients who come and have a look around the lab. So they come with a play specialist or nurses or parents and things like where they've had a blood test taken. They'll actually load their own sample on to analyzers. They might look at their own blood film down the microscope. And it just kind of takes that fear away from being in a hospital. And it just it really helps with the patients and it helps with patient care and things like that. So it's not just for pupils as well. It can be for patients just to sit there and demonstrate what we do. Mm-hmm. And I just think the more knowledge and understanding people have of their treatments, it seems to benefit the patients as well. Yeah, absolutely. That, that makes a lot of sense. That's a really good idea. This is the People of Pathology podcast with our guest, Haley Pincott. We'll be right back. You've heard me talk about LabVine before, and this is an online learning platform for laboratory professionals where you can earn continuing education credit. And these are accredited by the Society of Medical Laboratory Technology of South Africa, as well as PACE in the U.S. and the Royal College of Pathologists in the U.K. I want to tell you about a new feature available on LabVine called the ConfLab. This is an opportunity for laboratory thought leaders, subject matter experts, and consultants to share their expertise with other lab professionals. And you can follow the link in the show notes to apply to be a ConfLab expert. Dress a Med has been designing and manufacturing high-quality scrubs since 1980. The prices are affordable, the shipping is very fast, and the scrubs have lots of pockets, which I really like. I actually have several sets of these myself. So check out Dress a Med by using the link in the show notes. You can sign up for their loyalty program for free and earn special offers and discounts. And now back to Haley Pincott 
on the People of Pathology podcast. You're one of the founders of something called Show Me the Science. Yes. All right. Very proud of it, yes. All right. So let's talk about this. How did the idea for this come about? A few years ago, um, we a friend of mine went applied for a grant, a public engagement grant. So we set up a group called Microscientists, and we went to um, Cardiff Science Festival, Merthyr Science Festival, a little town outside Cardiff, Merthyr Tidville. They had a science festival there. Um, and we also went out to schools. And when the grant was over, all those, all the volunteers with us were just actually really enjoyed doing it. So we just decided to carry on. And so we became Show Me the Science then. So we just carried on again, going out to schools and doing festivals and stuff. Okay. How big are these festivals? Like how many people are there? Oh, crikey. Um, I'm not too sure, actually. I think it's difficult to tell because it's held over about four days. Cardiff Science Festival's held over about four days. And this year as well, because part of it, was, it was all a virtual event. Okay. But I think it's quite a successful, my, I, I guess, <laughs> about a thousand, over a thousand people, I would guess. But yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Okay, that's pretty good. And then is this like science in general or healthcare science specifically? For Show Me the Science is, yeah. we, we all do a little, it's because the people I work with are predominantly microbiologists and things like okay. that. So we kind of, yeah, we try and, we've noticed that the groups that go out to schools normally do the usual blowing up a balloon with gases and making slime and all the really, really fun stuff that's really engaging and really visual. And we want to do that, but we want to apply it in a practical way and say, okay, so this is how you do this and this explosion happens and or this happens and this is this. However, on a smaller scale, it happens in your body this way. And so, yeah, it's we've got all these ideas and all these different um, events and activities that we want to do is just the funding of trying to get them set up. But yeah, so many ideas that we want to want to put out there, yeah. Now, is the focus just to get these kids interested in science and medical science, or is it to sort of steer them to, to these careers? I mean, I know they're probably pretty young for that, but is that kind of the idea? Yeah, so it's, it's to, yeah, it's a two-pronged approach. So... We try to go out to schools from poor socioeconomic areas because they generally have the lower uptake of science in high school. Yeah. Well, that's because they, they generally don't see science for them. They don't see its relevance and things like that, which, like I was saying previously, if you just got a Bunsen burner on a bench making different coloured flames, it how does that relate to anything in real life? So we mm-hmm. go along and say, actually, this is how it's applied in real life. These are the jobs you can do from it. And it, science is for you. Science is for everybody. It's not about guessing the best grades, being top of the class or anything like that. It's about wanting to find out the answers to questions. And if you're naturally inquisitive, then actually science can be for you. And it doesn't matter where you come from or what your background is. It should be a feasible career choice for people. So we just go out and just try to promote that side of it, that it, it is for everybody. It's diverse. It's inclusive. And also... Have you thought about this career as well? So yeah, we we tried to take a two pronged approach to to visiting schools. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good idea. You know, going out to 
like I said, underprivileged areas and, and things like that, because that is important. And I think those kids, you, you know, you're right. They don't think that science is for them for, for, for whatever reason. And it's, it's a really good idea to, to get them interested and get them involved. Exactly. I think it's the more diverse you can be or make people aware that it is diverse and the more people you attract, then you're going to get better people in the job as well. So it's, it's good for everybody. It's good for the individual and for the pupils, but it's also good for the the profession as well, because you're then getting more people involved and you're getting the best the best minds there as well. So it's definitely beneficial to everybody and all involved. Right. And it's good for those communities too to have someone from their community in in the you know, the lab or science profession because it sort of it helps to represent their interests, I think. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, that's why I, I agree with that completely. Show me the science then you're focused on, like I said, these sort of uh, festivals and uh, going to schools and things like that. That's that's your main uh, focus. Yes, it is. Yeah. We're at because of the pandemic, we're trying to um, get things done virtually and record videos so that if we can possibly reach out further to schools without further afield because it means taking time off work for maybe four or five of us to go out and host a workshop. So if we can get all these activities recorded and online, then it means that we can probably reach out to, especially in Wales, Wales move outside of the big cities like Cardiff and Swansea, then you start moving to really poorer areas of the UK. And so if we can reach out to, those areas as well, like we were just saying, I think it'll be great for them. Yeah. How did that go throughout the the pandemic when everything had to be virtual? Did you feel like there was as much interest in in online activities or was there more when it was in person? It's hard to tell. I think um, because you, I always thought it'd be easier to do things virtually. You don't have an audience. It's great. Nobody's not embarrassed by anything you say or do because there's nobody there to look at you. However, because of that, it makes it harder to be engaging and you can't go off an audience reaction because you don't have an audience to react to. Oh, that's right. I I personally found it a lot more difficult, although I thought it would be so much easier. So, um, but it's easier to monitor. You get, you know, you can click, see how many people have viewed and how many people have liked your videos and stuff like that. So in some ways it's easier but yeah, I, I give me face-to-face interactions, definitely. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Like going into all of this, I thought the, all these virtual things would be so much easier. But then when you're, especially like, you know, kids doing virtual school and they have to be online like that for hours and hours, that I, that's not for me. I don't think I could do that. I know I couldn't. I had my children at home as well sometimes. And it was, this is their home. It's not their school. So Right. It must be difficult. People working from home as well. It's not your office. That's your home. It's your sanctuary. It's where you relax. So to suddenly have this professional part of your house and your home as well, it must be so difficult for so many people. I'm quite grateful. I was I was a key worker and I was managing to go to work. I feel very fortunate. Right. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the the Pathologist magazine had they do like a weekly. Uh, Twitter discussion, path Twitter discussion, I think mm-hmm. they call it. The The topic a couple of weeks ago was how to raise awareness for the pathology and lab medicine field. And you had some interesting comments about that as far as how we should be out advocating for the field. So let, let's talk about that. How, how do you think we should advocate for our field? I think 
one thing I didn't realize, one thing I took away from that discussion was I didn't even consider medical students. I suppose because I'm not actually a pathologist and I don't come from that medical background, it was really interesting to see actually as well that we have to engage the medical students, the newly qualified doctors that need to come into pathology as well. So, yeah, it's about reaching out to pupils. You get them at the primary school, the very, very start of their education, get them really excited, then go to high school. And that's generally where interest drops off. So you've got to go out to schools and try and keep that enthusiasm going, make sure they pick the right degrees for the career they want to choose. And then it's just keep on feeding that information. And if you if you find somebody who is really keen to go into the profession, you know, nurture that and just really help them as best you can, advise them, mentor them. So yeah, it's it was re- it was a really interesting chat actually, and I was quite, I, yeah, I took a lot from that. Yeah, me too. It, it's it's kind of like we were talking about earlier with uh, you know getting young children interested in just in lab careers. It seems like it's the same thing with medical school. I mean, once they're already in medical school, to get them interested in pathology, which I didn't realize was such a difficult thing to do, but it seems like it is. Uh, exactly. I didn't. I didn't even consider it. So I think it's again, it's it's that perception, isn't it? Of pathologists being hidden away in a dark office with no mm-hmm. lights on, being very antisocial. And that, especially the consultant I work with, that's really not the case. It really right. isn't. So right, it's just yeah. to people, it's not what people think it is. And I don't think actually having programs out there as well, like I think somebody mentioned like a TV show, and I'm in full agreement, I think having TV shows that just refer to the lab, I don't think that helps. I think if they refer, you know, it's pathology or the biomedical science lab or we're taking it to the histotechnologist or just something that's a bit more gives a bit more detail and it helps explain a bit more about what's going on but then through lockdown I've been I've been watching house and as much as I love it it it's driving me to distraction a little bit (laughs) that they've just got this tiny little room that is just pathology and the doctors are doing it the medics and I'm going no no (laughs) No, <laughs> and it's just it, yeah. So I think programs don't don't help us really. So I think if we can get out there a bit more and sort of say this is what we do, it's not like this. It's not a sitting in an office. It's not sitting in the dark and being antisocial and being mean. We're, but we are actually really nice people. Yeah, honest. Yeah, we, <laughs> honest. yeah, we are. We're quite awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we've been talking about uh, ways to promote the field and some of the ways that you're doing that yourself, both with speaking at schools and also with Show Me the Science. So now what if you've you've got someone that you've kind of interested in the field and maybe they're interested in a role uh, just like yours? What What advice would you have for someone like that? I think firstly, I think it's important, especially here in the UK, we need to make sure that people sign up to do an IBMS accredited biomedical science degree. There are loads of biomedical science degrees out there, but to be a biomedical scientist to work in the labs, then it definitely needs to be IBMS accredited. So really needs to make sure we push that message out. Um, but also you can there can be members of the IBMS and this helps with doing CPD, which I don't think you have to be employed in the NHS or industry or research just to to do CPD, I think is a very important thing. You learn so much by doing CPD. So maybe start doing that as well. 
Um, Can you explain what what is CPD for those of us here here in the um, U.S.? CPD is continuing professional development. So anytime you read a journal, article, paper, go to meetings, go to lectures even, just just to reflect on it and say what you've learned, how you can apply it to to your job or further studies and things like that. Oh, okay. So I think it's definitely something that, that everyone can take part in, not just when you're employed. And also there's a great online community on Twitter. So the first Wednesday of every month, just follow the hashtag IBMS chat. And there's loads going on. It's been going on for a few years now and it covers all different disciplines, all different topics. And it's just great. It's for any any level. So a biomedical scientist with support staff, everyone is welcome to join in. So even those in the US on a Wednesday can just catch up with it. First Wednesday of every month, hashtag IBMS chat. So yeah, oh, okay. I, I wasn't aware of that one. I'll, I'll uh, include that in the show notes so everybody can par- participate in the next one. Yeah, that'd be. It's, it is a great thing to be to to be part of because everyone's welcome. You can just chip in and just say what you like and just be as, as involved in the conversation or just sit back and watch it all. So it's a great way to network as well. Yeah, that's definitely true. And and just Twitter in general is really good yeah, for that. Yeah, oh, it's a great forum for that now you've got someone who they're doing these things they're getting involved what about and i know this is probably difficult currently but what about something like shadowing how how important do you think that is i think it's very good thing to do if you can get into the into a lab i know that occasionally they are they there are volunteer roles you can maybe come into the lab as a student to shadow or even if it's just starting off as a lab assistant as a basic grade lab assistant but still just having that practical hands-on experience that you don't necessarily get at university level so yeah just come in sort of as an MLA if you have to or shadow or volunteer and just to really understand what it's like to work in a lab to with patient samples as well because obviously you don't get to do that at university either and you just get a real feeling of how important the job is in relation to in relation to patient care yeah that's a really important point never forget that it's you know, there are patients attached to those samples, which you're right. You don't get that in, you don't get that experience in school. No, no, you don't. You get taught the practical side, which is great. But yeah, to actually come into a hospital setting and have those patients there, it's it's a real eye-opener and it's quite humbling as well, actually. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. That was that was the same for me. So this has been a really interesting conversation and I'm, I'm really happy we had the chance to, to get together and chat. So Haley Pincott, thank you very much for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been great fun. Thanks. Big thanks to Haley Pincott. I've got a trailer for you right now of my interview with Dr. Lori Ryan. Uh, you mentioned you uh, you have a master's in public health and epidemiology. Can we talk a little bit about that? Like what what did you intend to do at, at that time with that degree? And what were some of your experiences in that area? Yeah, so I really didn't know public health existed, honestly, until uh, a summer in my college career. I was a double biology and Spanish major, and there was a requirement to do study abroad. Because I was a biology major, you know, it's hard to do study abroad during the regular semester. So I did it over a summer. And it was a specific program looking at health in the Dominican Republic. So it was a three month 
opportunity. And we actually had a lot of experience spending time with epidemiologists in the Dominican Republic. And I learned about challenges in terms of um, maternal and child health, nutrition, things that weren't really on my radar as a college student. Mm-hmm. And that was um, the summer before my senior year. And it just struck me how interesting the work was. And my original plan was to go straight to medical school, but I actually detoured and applied for public health program, uh, did that. And actually, as a public health student, worked at the Minnesota Department of Health. You can hear more from Dr. Ryan in episode 16. So Haley brought up a lot of good points in this episode and some interesting ways to advocate for the field with some examples of things she does in her own life. I also found it interesting that some of the same issues that we have in the U.S. as far as recognition of the laboratory and recruiting more people into the field, these are some of the same issues that they have there in the U.K. as well. I'll have links in the show notes to show me the science and some of the other things we talked about today. Don't forget, you can follow this show on Twitter at People of Path or connect with me on LinkedIn, or you could just go to peopleofpathology.com and there are links to LinkedIn and Twitter right there. And you can also listen to all of the episodes on the website as well. I want to tell you about one other thing. CubTech is hosting a webinar on July 21st called Principles of X-ray Imaging and its Impact in the Gross Room. They're going to be talking about the principles of X-ray imaging, why digital imaging is important in the pathology lab, and also practical applications of digital imaging in the gross room. This webinar is free, and I'll have a link in the show notes where you can sign up, and it will also be recorded. So if you're not able to watch it live, you can check it out at a later time. Thank you for continuing to share the show with others. Please continue to do so, and together let's inspire the next generation of pathologists and laboratory professionals. This show is a member of Health Podcast Network, which connects listeners with conversations and stories about health, care, and well-being. And you can find a link in the show notes to Health Podcast Network if you'd like to check out some of their other interesting podcasts. Thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the People of Pathology podcast.